We're in the middle of a series called Skeletons in the Closet. First week, we talked about how God forgives us of all of our sins, gives us a fresh start, and therefore he removes all those past mistakes we've made, and we don't have to live with that guilt any longer. Last week, we talked about then how do you live in that in the present day, which is that you have to learn to walk dead to your sins, and, and then this week, we're talking about the future. And so you can see the Monsters, Inc. theme going on. First of all, can I give it up for our production team? Aren't they incredible? So talented, love it. So I want to talk about three doors to your future today. We're going to unpack these three doors because maybe you are in the middle of making a big decision, or maybe you just made one, or maybe you realize that there's always a new door coming, which means there's always a new decision that has to be made, right? And so really there are three key decisions we have to make that I think can really change our life. And I want to unpack the three decisions we have. With any decision we have, there's really three options. We're going to unpack that today. You guys ready to go? Because I'm going to dive right in. Get ready to roll? All right, here we go. So I'm excited about this uh, because I believe that all of us want to have a bright future. And so how do we do that? Well, the first door, unfortunately, represents foolishness, right? And, uh, you know, the thing about the foolish door is it always looks the most attractive, doesn't it? I mean, the other doors look kind of plain compared to this one. And, and the world always lights this one up, right? I don't know what it is about it, but this is the most attractive door. It just looks so good. And we're just drawn to this door every time. Unfortunately, this door leads to Foolish decisions, right? And of course, you know what fools do is uh, the Bible says that as a dog returns to his vomit, they just keep making a revolving door and they keep making the same dumb decision again and again and again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you already dated an idiot. Now you got another idiot you're dating. And so, right? You already bought too much house or car before. Now you're back to being house or car broke again. You keep making the same dumb decisions. Right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You just keep doing the same. You're like... I'm not getting anywhere here, right? So how do you fix that? Well, let's talk about that. So we all make foolish decisions. None of us are exempt from this, by the way. So the first thing I want to tell you is there's three different types of fools in the Bible. And so we can figure out which one we are, right? We all have been fools at time in our life. And so three kinds of fools. The first one is the simple person or the simpleton or the naive, right? And so this person just lacks experience. And so in other words, when we're all young, we're all foolish, right? Look at the scripture. Check it out. Proverbs 7 says, For at the window of my house... I looked out through my lattice and I've seen in the, among the simple, I have perceived among the youth, a young man lacking sense passing along the street near her corner. Now her, he's speaking of uh, the adulterous woman, um, but we could also say the adulterous man, right? And it goes, excuse me, it goes on to say, taking the road to her house in the twilight, oh, not only are we at the wrong place, it's also the wrong time, right? In the evening at the time of night and darkness, with much seductive speech, she persuades him with her smooth talk, she, comp she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Wow, that is some language, right? And it says this, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, some people think, okay, Pastor Bill, you're being a little extreme. It's not going to cost him my life if I date the wrong person. No, 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 not so fast. Actually, what is your life made up of? Time, energy, emotion. It will cost you those things if you end up going through the wrong door in the wrong relationship. In fact, honestly, the wrong relationship can cost you about a decade. I call it the decade delay. Maybe you've been through a decade delay. Maybe you're on your second decade delay. And so I, I see this, it's, it's a common thing. And so it's easy for us to, to fall into this. So this is the simple person. So this is someone, by the way, that's at the wrong, they're, 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 they may be at the right place at the wrong time. You know, I love going downtown in any of our communities, but I'm not gonna go downtown at two in the morning. That's now the wrong time right? Nothing wrong with jogging. Jogging at two in the morning, wrong time. 
Don't be shocked when you get mugged, right? You're like, I can't believe they have to me. Well, you are jogging at two in the morning. So it's the wrong time. And then the wrong place. You know, there's certain places you go, you know you're going to do bad things. You're going to make bad decisions. And then frankly, there's just wrong people. The people that, that, that you go hang out with that lead you into the wrong things. Think about, I bet the biggest mistakes you've made in your life, if you've made more than one, you probably made with the same person. And so we go to the, to the wrong person for our lives and it really hurts us in the end. Look what it says in scripture, Proverbs 22, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. We've all done it, haven't we? Now, simpleton just means that you're naive, you're young. This is why when our parents told us when we were young, they're always like, be home by midnight. Why? Because they knew what they did after midnight and they don't want you doing those things, right? And so they've already made some of those mistakes. So they're trying to keep you from making the same mistakes. But we all think, oh, it's no big deal, it's not late, no big deal. Until we're older and we realize, yeah, the stupid things I did was always after midnight. Like mom and dad were right, right? But we didn't know at the time because we thought, what do they know? You know, but here's what they have on you. They had 25 years on you. That's what they have on you. And so they know some things, even if they're not, they didn't have to be Christians to know some things you don't know, right? And so you can not even share faith with them. Maybe you're a Christian, maybe they're not, but they're still not blind. They still can see things. They still can see mistakes before you make them. And so we have to understand that we've all been the inexperienced person who's just done something dumb. Maybe today you're wise to it. Maybe now when you talk to someone and, you know, in a business relationship, you can pick up on clues and be like, yeah, I'm not going to invest with this person. Because the last time I invested with someone like this, it went bad and I went through the foolish door. So I don't want to do it again, right? Or I'm not going to date this kind of person. I'm not going to hang out with this kind of person. And so you can tell it now, but you didn't probably at first notice it. The second uh, kind of foolish person is just called the foolish. They're called the fool. And the fool knows his choices are unwise and does them anyways. That's the very definition of a fool right there. Scripture says in Proverbs 26, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. You go back and do it again and again. It's like, ah, and you're just hurting yourself. Maybe, again, I go back to the relationship thing. Maybe you're dating someone uh, and it's really hurt you. And so, by the way, this is where uh, a parent can really help you. Can I just take a moment talk to those who are dating uh, if you're single? Uh, let me just say this to you real quick. Uh, this is a big deal. If you've had the last couple of relationships go really bad, you need to quit dating alone and start dating by committee. And by committee, that means your friends and your family should have a say before you go out with them. Because you've done it on your own and didn't go well. In fact, I bet you even had a friend or family or two come to you after the big massive breakup and they said, yeah, we all saw it. We just didn't want to say anything. Right? And so we have to be open to their criticism, open to the feedback, because they can protect us from the next blowout. They can keep us from that wrong person. And this is really important. Sometimes you want to go talk to people who aren't emotionally invested. The reason why you get blinded to it and everyone else sees it is because you're emotionally invested in it. They're not. That's why it's so powerful when you can talk to other people and they can really help protect you and help lead you in the right direction. And so, and, and let me just say too, if you're trying to make it work, if it's, it, listen, if, if it doesn't fit, it's counterfeit. So let me just say that right now. And some people right now are like, oh, I can't believe you're saying all this fast. It's so hard because I've been with so-and-so for so long. Oh, so length of mistake means it's not a mistake. So I just want to challenge you to really think about this. Some of you are like, you're messing up my phone. You're ruining my life. No, no, no. I'm trying to keep you from ruining your life. Please avoid this door. In fact, 
Once you figure out what your weakness is, once you figure out what your struggle is, because we all have a weakness, it's time to realize that, okay, you know what? I'm not very good at this on my own, so let's just take care of business right now, and I'm just going to lock this up, and then I'm going to find a really good friend here in the church. I'm like, hey, you know what? Hey, do me a favor. Would you take this key? And here, I'm going to ask for it back. Don't give it back to me, all right? Just don't give it back, because I need to quit going through that door. Thank you. See, this is what accountability does, is now I'm like, I'm good, because I have a friend who's going to ask me. So we need people that in our life that can say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Don't, ah, don't do that. And they'll protect you. They will help you. They will help guide you. And so we all need people like that in our lives. And so the way to avoid the fool is by hanging out with people who are smarter than they are. Check out scripture. Proverbs 20. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me back up. The foolish person returns their folly, right? <clears throat> but then there's a third level fool. Now, I hope this isn't you. This is someone who has a PhD in foolishness. Okay, and there are people that you almost think they're professional. They're so good at it. They're like, wow, like you have elaborate foolishness. You plan weekends of foolishness. Like you've designed, foolish, you've designed your life around foolishness. I mean, how many of you guys know people like this, right? Don't point, don't point down the road. That's, that's rude. But we all know people like this, right? But this is really a big deal. This person is, is actually, this is a rough, God is the roughest on this person in Scripture of the levels of fools, the naive person, you say, you're young, you know, we all make mistakes, right? Then the other fool is like, I ah, keep repeating it. But this level of fool is called a mocker or a scoffer. This person literally thinks they are smarter than you. They're smarter than the Bible. They're smarter than all the people that, are, that have wisdom in their life that are counseling them. They're smarter than all of them. Like, oh, my mom and dad don't know. My youth pastor has no idea. My teacher's an idiot. They don't know what you're talking about. And so this person, I hate to break it. First of all, I wanna say, if you're married to this person, I am sorry. I really am because I can't fix stupid. I'm sorry. I've tried to before and it just, it's like at some point I'm like, I don't know what to tell you because they're unwilling to listen to other people. Check out the scriptures. Proverbs 9 says this. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. I have been there. I've, I've tried to argue with a mocker, someone who just, they're like, they're committed to their foolishness. They don't care what you think. The only way they're going to learn their lesson is to walk through the foolish door. And so, and I hate to say, it, but we've actually all been the mocker. This is what the mocker sounds like. You can't tell me what to do. It's my life. I can do whatever I want. I don't care what you think. I'm going to do whatever I want. This person is going to do whatever they want, and they're going to basically step on a rake that hits them in the face. They don't know it yet, but instead of arguing with it, at some point you just have to say, good luck. And then they come back six months later, and they're like, you know, I can believe it happened. And we're like, oh, well, this is where you act shocked. Like, no way, really? Like, you know, we all saw it coming, and this is where we have to have grace and not tell them, I told you so, and what are you, moron, what do you, and this is where you have to say, I get it, I understand, I've done, so. we've all, we've all been the mocker, haven't we? We've all been like, oh, I don't know what they're talking about, I don't know what I'm doing, and then it goes all wrong, right? And so we've been the mocker before. The, the hard part about the mocker is that it's a very unique combination of incompetence and arrogance. They believe that they can do anything, and yet they can hardly function because you're living in foolishness. And so this is a big struggle. And so I just want to encourage you, love them. Don't participate with them in foolishness. Does that make sense? So that, that's a, it's a hard thing to do. Proverbs 20 says this, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Isn't that true? Sometimes we just have to taste the world a little bit and realize, ooh, that isn't good. And I mean, it looks all nice and shiny and bright and fun, but it, it doesn't go well. Right? And so scripture says in Psalms 119, I have thought about my life 
and I've directed my feet back to your written instructions. Can I tell you something about the mockers too right now? In our world today, unfortunately, we have a lot of mockers in charge. We have mockers in leadership in a lot of different areas. And so this is what makes it hard for us because we're being mocked for believing the word of God. We're being mocked for standing for truth. We're being told we, you know, we, it's hate speech or you're an idiot or that's antiquated. You know, you're on the wrong side of history, all this kind of stuff. When the truth is, is that if you're holding strong to the Bible, you're never on the wrong side of history. You're sticking to the truth. So, and over time, they will also step on the rake. Over time, the thing they're, they're standing strong and going, this is the right way. If you look up five years from now, it will be a disaster. And I'm not happy about that. It's just the truth. So I just want to encourage you, stand your ground, obey the word of God. God really will protect you if you will do that. So, so the first door is foolishness. The second door is one we all want to go through. It's the right door, right? This is the, when we make right decisions. But here's the thing about this door. It's lonely. And also, it's not that attractive. It's just kind of plain. No one's lighting it up. The world's not saying, hey, come over here. This is so cool. They're not really doing that. And so when you look at this door, it's the right thing to do, but you feel a little lonely when you first want to obey God. So this is what it looks like. You finally go through the door. And when you do, when you first thought you were alone, you get through the door and you realize, oh, there's other people in here. I thought I was the only one, but there's other people. And so oftentimes you think, man, all my friends are doing this and that. And now I'm sitting at home on a Friday night and I feel alone and I don't know what to do, but I'm going to try to do the right thing. Doing the right thing can be inconvenient. It can be difficult. Let me just give you an example of the right thing. If you're like, you know what? I don't really have anyone doing this with me, but I'm just going to serve. Pastor Bill keeps talking about I'm just going to serve God. And you walk through the door and you realize, oh, now I'm making friends. Oh, I'm not alone. There's all the other people who are serving too. And all of a sudden you, you get connected with people. And so this is why I tell single people all the time, you want to meet the right person, start serving. Because the right person serving in God's house. And by the way, ladies, if you won't serve in God's house, he won't serve in yours one day either. <laughs> they want to think about that. And so if you find the right person, they're serving. They're not all about themselves. They're about, they're about others. See, everyone can talk a big, big thing about God. God, God, oh, this and that. They're just, they, they may just be saying it because they know you're into that. Then all of a sudden, the moment you're not, have you ever dated someone? And six weeks after you're done dating them, they're back in the club. Oh, well, now we see where their faith was. It was just whatever needs to say to get you. And so this is where, again, fools can wrap themselves in Christianity and look really good and still be an idiot. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Can I get an amen? I know you know what I'm talking about. Because we've seen it, haven't we? And so it's a big deal. So door two is the right decision. Scripture says this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the other nations of the world. You may think, okay, that seems a little extreme. It's not. God says, I'll take you to the top. The Bible says, You'll be the head and not the tail if you obey the Lord. He says, you'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Then he gives a huge list of blessings. But after that, he says, if you don't obey the Lord, then he gives a huge amount of curses. So our lives really hinge upon which door we go through. Are you going to go through the wrong door? Or are you like me? I had to lock that up. Man, I've damaged myself enough in that one. So I'm going to go through the right door instead. And on the other side of this door are blessings, our favor, of God doing great things in your life, of community, of other believers. And so all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not alone. There's all these other people also trying to do the right thing as well. There's a period of time when you're alone going through that door. But once you get to the door, there's other people there. 
And so you got to learn to do the right thing. How many guys, let's get excited that we can obey God and do the right thing. And there's blessing with that. There really is. And when you do the right thing, the right thing leads you. It says in scripture, Psalms 119, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and the light for my path. A lamp only lights up a few feet in front of you, which God's basically saying to you, you don't have to know everything, just know to take the right next step. And then when you take that step, I'll illuminate the next step. And then take the right next step. And over time, you'll realize God's taking you down his path. Does that make sense? Oh, come on, get excited. Let's take some right steps, right? So door two is the right decisions. This is right living. It always works for you. And it can be hard, guys. I'm not going to lie. I know sometimes it's hard to do the right thing. Maybe for you, you know, you're like, man, it's so easy to cheat on my taxes. But I would know and God would know. And that's two people that I don't think should know. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the right thing, right? It's easy to do the wrong thing. It's easy to, to look at the wrong things, to listen to the wrong things, to go to the wrong places. It's tough to say, you know what, God, I'm going to be different because the world is rushing through the foolish door. We have to make a decision to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm also not going to be party to celebrating foolishness. Instead, I'm going to, I'm going to honor Lord, the Lord, and he will bless that. So we do the right thing. But I want to spend my time not on doing the right or wrong thing. I think most of us here, if you're in church today, you want to do the right thing. If you're watching online with us, you want to do the right thing. That's, that's why you're listening. That's why you're getting the word of God in you right now. So I don't think most of us today are deciding between the wrong or the right door. Now, I'm not saying we don't have moments. We all have moments where we're like, ah, I want to go back and do what I used to do. So we still have that decision we have to make. Maybe no one's around. Maybe it's an old habit that is dying hard. You're like, oh, I still like to do this or that. And when no one's around, but I know it's not the right thing to do, right? And so I want to encourage you, this is the power of the church because there's accountability here. There's community here. And it helps you do the right thing, right? But I don't believe that we should stop with the right thing. Can I give you a little insight? You can be doing the right thing your whole life and things still go bad. How many of you guys are like, I showed up for work, I did everything the boss told me, and I still got laid off, right? You're like, how frustrating is that? I honored God in this relationship, we did the right thing, and then they still left me. And I was honoring God, I was doing the right thing, I was, I was trying to be a good spouse, and they still left me. This stuff still happens, right? And so that, that can happen. So sometimes the world... Bad things just happen. It's true. And all throughout Scripture, Job, it says in Job chapter 1, by the way, I don't have time to go over all this, but I'll just say this. Job 1 verse 1 says Job was a righteous man, more righteous than everyone on the earth. This guy was the sharpest. He was, he was doing the right thing all the time. And then Job lost his whole family and his whole business, all his money, everything. Like, so much for being rewarded by God, right? What was happening? There's always seasons of difficulty. But Job stayed faithful. So by Job chapter 42, he, he got... He got basically blessed double for his trouble. He, he got, he got all, a whole new family and he got a whole new business and, and God brought him back. But it was torturous, it was difficult, so there's gonna be seasons. So you can do the right thing and still have difficult times, right? So we're gonna talk more about that in just a moment. But I don't know about you, but I don't wanna just do the right thing. There's another level. What if I were to tell you that you could do the right thing and still end up broke? I mean, just a lot of people have been serving God for years and you still don't have two pennies to rub together, Right? You're like, I'm doing the right thing, and I'm still not really advancing in my career. I, I, I'm, I'm honoring God, and, and I'm still not where I want to be, you know, in my faith. I'm honoring God, and I'm still not where I want to be in life. It happens. But that's because there's a third door. This is the door we shoot for. Did you notice this door's a little older, right? It's, it's a little beat up, but this door still works. It just doesn't seem as attractive. But this is the door where everything changes for you and me. 
This is the door of wisdom. Wisdom is the game-changing move for you. Now, this doesn't mean you quit doing right because it's always the right thing to do to do the wisdom thing too. But this means you think ahead in your life about where you are going. And so here's the thing, guys. I don't want you just to do the right thing in your life. God doesn't want you to just do the right thing. He wants you to live blessed, to be prosperous, to be in full health and wholeness and to have all the things he has for your life. That's what he wants for you. But that doesn't come unless you make wise decisions, the third door. Ephesians chapter five says this, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, doesn't see unright people. Now we're already past the whole right or wrong thing. We already know we're, we're not doing the wrong thing. We're gonna do the right thing. He says, but, but now you need to be wise. Don't live as unwise, live as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish. Oh, there's that word we don't like. But understand what the Lord's will is, the will of the Lord is. Now, by the way, do you know the, there's three levels of the will of God? There's the good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you think about that, let's just look at the doors for a second. So I wanna be, I want the good will of God, which means I'm gonna quit doing the bad thing. I want to please God, the pleasing will, right? I want the good, the pleasing, and then the perfect will of God. This means God, everything you've got stored up for me in heaven, I want it all, God. I want to fully experience what you put me on this earth for. I want to maximize my life through Christ. How does that sound? Who wants to do that? That's the door of wisdom. So what does that look like? Let me show you a couple of scriptures on this because I believe this is where we can really see massive changes in a good way in our life. Now, check it out. Here's a scripture. This is from the wisdom literature. It's literally th theologians call Proverbs the wisdom literature. Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes are all called that. Here's what it says in Proverbs. I'm just giving you a sampling because there's so many verses I could have done on this. I could have done a whole series on it. But let me give you one sample. It says this in Proverbs 24. It says, but by wisdom a house is built... Why would it say that? Oh, it's like, it's like you can own land and it's just a piece of dirt. But if you're wise, you can plan to do something on the land. And then if you do really good plans, you get to live in those plans. Make sense? So let's go back and look at Scripture again. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established by knowledge. The rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant Riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For in, for in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Oh, okay. To build a house, you got to get an architect. And you have to have a specialist that does the, the framing. And then you've got the windows, and you've got the plumbing, and the air conditioning, and, and, and you've got to seal the house, and you've got to have a roofer. And so there's all these different people that are specialists that can really help you. And so you don't have to know it all. You just have to ask the right people for the right advice. And so that's living in wisdom. Can I tell you something? Can I, can I help you shortcut your success right now? Instead of saying, how do I do it? Don't say how, say who. Who do I know that already has what I want? And let me go ask them how they did it. That's an abundance of wise counselors. If you are struggling with alcohol or drugs and you're not going to 12-step, I just want to go ahead and save you some time and tell you, congratulations, you'll never, be, you'll never get healed up. You just won't. Statistically, I know for a fact that about 95% of you, nope, never going to change. Why? Because you won't go to the one place that can help you change. Well, I'm in church, and isn't Jesus enough? Jesus enough? In this case, Jesus and 12-step. Why? Because that's where wisdom lives for people with a very specific problem that have overcome it. Does that make sense? So go to church and go to 12-step. 
There's even something called 30 for 30, 90 for 90. What does that mean? 30 meetings for 30 days. Then you get your chip. If it's that bad, you just go every single day. And I promise you, if you're in a decent-sized town, there are meetings every day. And if not, you can go online. Here's the point. The point is really simple. There are people smarter than you that can save you time. So listen in abundance of counselors. Here's a couple more Proverbs. Let me give you a couple more here. Check it out. Proverbs 15 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Proverbs 11 says, without guidance, people fail uh, or fall. But with many counselors, there is deliverance. Can I give you a couple key things that, that the Proverbs talks about? If you just read the whole book of Proverbs, I read the whole book of Proverbs once a month. I just do one a day. There's 31 of them. And you just go through whatever today's date is. I read that today. I believe it's the 30th. And so I read Proverbs 30 this morning. And so just, it's a powerful thing. And then sometimes verses really stop me. Sometimes I breeze through it sometimes, but almost every time I'm always like, ooh, that one got me. That was good. I need to hear that one today, right? And so it's a great way to get into the word of God. If you're the kind of person that's like, I've tried, I was kind of lost. You won't get lost in Proverbs. There's one a day. It takes you about five minutes max, really probably two. And just underline or highlight something that's really powerful. But Proverbs is a game changer. So I just wrote down a couple of key themes of the book of Proverbs. Because I've just read it so much. Here's a couple of the key themes. Here's what wisdom tells you to do. Wisdom says plan ahead. Wisdom says save your money. Wisdom says avoid traps. Avoid the wrong people. Wisdom says get good advice. Wisdom says don't waste your time. Wisdom says be diligent. Wisdom says don't over-indebt yourself. Wisdom says to guard your words. Those are all things that, that we could say, well, those aren't necessarily right or wrong, no. Because again, you can be right and be an idiot. Or you can live in wisdom and do the right thing that will set your life up for the future. Does that make sense? And so the power of wisdom can really change your life. Years ago, someone told me, save your money. I've lived by that for years. And so guess what? Because of that, we're not broke. I'm not saying we're rolling in it, but I'll tell you this much. I'm not worried if there's a downturn. We're going to be okay if something happened. Why? Because I've lived by the wisdom to save money. We've lived by the wisdom to plan our time wisely. And so, you know, one of the things you'll see all throughout the scripture is, is people are, are setting goals. The apostle Paul talked about this one thing I'm shooting for, forgetting the past, focusing on the future. And so I'm a big goal setter. Why? Wisdom says to set goals. You need to have targets that you're shooting for. Does this help someone today? Your life can change if you'll just begin to live in wisdom. It really can. And so wisdom changes everything. So can I give you a question that summarizes this that can really help you. Is that good? You may want to pull your phone out and take a picture of this question. I promise you this will bless you. And every door in front of you, ask this question about whether you should do something or not. Here's the question. Let me give it to you. Here's the best question you can ask. In light of my past experience, what does that mean? In light of my past foolishness, knowing me, is this a good idea, right? Because what's foolish for me may not be foolish for you. If you struggle with alcohol and I'm like, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to go down to a restaurant that's got a bar. I'll meet you there. You may say, no, no, not for me. That's not, that's not wise for me. Like for you, it's not a big deal. But for me, not a good idea, right? If you've got a temper problem and you know someone wants to have a meeting with you, you may say, you know, wisdom tells me I'm going to meet with you. But wisdom also tells me to have a third party there to keep me calm, Right? So wisdom is the game changer. In fact, you know what? The next series we're doing is all about wisdom. It's called Asking for a Friend. We're going to talk about all the, the questions you guys ask me all the time in the atrium. I get them all the time. I, I get them online. You, you guys, I mean, TikTok, through Facebook, through Instagram, you name it. Uh, I get these questions. And a lot of the questions are not explicitly answered in the Bible, but they are answered because once you have wisdom from the Word of God, 
you can answer questions that, that are not explicitly asked. Does that make sense? For example, one of the questions I'm going to answer next week is, uh, is it okay for me to have a friend of the opposite sex that I'm not married to if we knew each other before I ever got married? You know, is that okay? How do you deal with that? Next week, I'm going to give you some wisdom in that area. But let me just give you a couple of examples of, of where wisdom, can I do this? For, is it okay? Can I give you some examples of wisdom, relational wisdom? Here's, here's one. Um, if you are going to go to a trainer, make sure it's someone of the same sex. Not all trainers are bad, but in my experience, pastoring the same church for 25 years, and I've talked to other trainers about this, they will tell you that in their industry, 30 to 50% of the trainers are sleeping with their clients, which tells me that you need to know that before you go get a trainer. I'm not trying to, not trying to dog them all. They're not all bad people. There's, I know some really godly, great people that come to our church that are trainers and, and are honoring God. And most of them will tell you good advice. And so, and most of them only train people of the same sex or in groups. That's wise, right? Uh, can I give you another piece of wisdom that, that you're not probably going to hear because it's not explicit in the Bible, but I, I've seen this a lot. I see people that go through divorce. The ink is barely dry on the divorce papers and they're already dating. Well, pastor, you're trying to limit me. I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. I didn't say you're doing anything wrong. I just don't think that's very wise because you've gone through a slow marital death and you've not dealt with any of those emotions. I would just calendar about a year out and then say, now I'll consider dating. Let me just get whole again. Let me get healed again. Otherwise, I'm gonna jump into something because I'm so desperate to be loved that may be the wrong person. Did you know that 50% of marriages is in a divorce? But did you know that 80% of second marriage is in a divorce? Please don't jump. Does that make sense? So again, well, the Bible doesn't say it. You're right. It's not a right or wrong issue. It's a wisdom issue. And so I just want to encourage you with that. I just want to tell you that there's next level uh, right and wrong. Is, it goes into the wisdom. Let me finish this, this question. In light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? So just, just process that. So in light of my past experience, right, where are you weak? Be careful. In light of my, my current circumstances, this is where someone tells me, you know, I, and I, I get people tell me this, you know, the guy comes in and says, like, I want to plant a church like you planted. You know, and I can't wait to do that. I'm like, okay, how old are you? I'm 20. Uh, do you have any schooling? Yeah, I got about 30 hours. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Don't go do it now. Get schooling first, right? You need some theology if you're going to do that, right? And then you need to sit in a church that's healthy and grow and learn from them and Get on staff and find a church you like so you can emulate that one day and go. In other words, don't, don't, don't. It's, it's, not the, it's not the answer is not no. It's just not yet. And so in light of my current circumstances, I need more knowledge. And then in light of my future hopes and dreams. So if your hopes and dreams are to be in really good shape, then that should affect what you put in your body. If in six months you want to be in great shape, that should maybe change how you eat this week. Right? If you say, I want to be financially well off one day, then how you spend your money today or whether you spend your money today will determine whether one day you're financially well off. Does that make sense? And so this is living in wisdom. And then what is the wise thing to do? I hope that question helps someone today. I promise you can be a blessing. And the last thing I want to talk about is this. When difficult times happen, and they happen to all of us, which door can you trust? Okay, and so let me just tell you how, what this looks like. So maybe you dated someone and uh, you were having a good time. Maybe if you're honest, you jumped in the sack pretty quick 
and you're, you know, obviously enjoying that, and that's nice. And so you're like, yeah, we're good, right? But then the problem you realized is that once you put any kind of weight on this thing, oh, I can't get the nail in there. It just barely holds. And so, and if you add any weight to it, let me just add something here. You know, what happens to it? It's barely holding, right? How many of you guys have a relationship barely holding? Anybody? The truth is it normally just takes one little thing to top of the whole thing, right? Just one little bit. Because why? Because they were not there because they loved you. They were there because they loved a good time. And the moment you ask for a commitment, they're out. How many of us have friends like that? That it wasn't that they were really that true to you. They were just there for a good time. This is why people are shocked. And there's plenty of people from our prison ministry right now who is, or know exactly where I'm coming from. They're like, I got your back. And then they rolled right over you whenever the police call, called. Right? They didn't have your back after all. No honor among thieves. And so what happened was you ran with the wrong crowd. You can't trust him. You can't count on it. So this happens to all of us, right? And so, but can I tell you something else that's really hard to hear? But this is the truth. And I hate to break this to you. Can you count on the right door, Right? You can for a while, but if you go through something big, it can also barely hold. And I feel like it's, it's important to hear this. You can be doing the right thing and barely be holding on. Am I going to know what I'm talking about? You're like, Pastor, I'm, I'm just, I'm honoring God. I'm showing up for church. I'm paying my tithes. I'm, I'm, I'm serving. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to do the right thing and I'm, I'm barely making it. It's not uncommon. Because life happens, guys. So what do you do? You go to the wisdom door. And this door is a lot thicker, so we need a lot bigger nail. A really big nail. But this door is a solid door. So when you have a solid door, and life happens, you're good. But the reason, the reason we can trust this door is because this door is backed up with the cross. And that's where the strength comes from. Is that Christ says to you, if you'll do the right thing, even when everything goes wrong, I rose again, he says to you and me. And if I have the power to rise again and I have the power to get you out of your situation, I have the power to deliver you. I have the power that you can trust me is what Jesus says to you and me. It says in Scripture, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And Jesus said this to us in Revelation chapter 3, and he says this to you today. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who will open the door... I will come in. So let's take a moment right now to bow our heads, every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to encourage you today. Have you given your life to Christ? You can trust him. Those of you who say, well, I don't know about this Jesus. Well, he died and rose again. And there's all kinds of evidence to prove that, which means that you can count on him. You, you can trust in him. The nail I used is a, a nine-inch nail. It's, it's the same kind that, that held Jesus to a cross. I want to encourage you that if he will go through that for you, what would he not do for you? How would he not be there for you? 
So right now you can trust your life in his hands. Pray this prayer with me. Today you can receive Christ by saying this simple prayer. All of our campuses, those who are watching online, just say this prayer with us. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I've repented my sins. I've put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around, would you just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus? Just hold your hand high right now, all of our campuses right now. Come on, Rodfield, just hold that hand high. Come on, Stone Oak. If you just gave your life to Christ, hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. All the way there in Rockport, Fulton. Thank you. Praise God. All the way in the back there at Padre, just hold your hand high. Praise God. Those of you who are online with us, you can let us know in the text chat right now. Just text the word, my hand's raised, or just click hand raised right now if you just gave your life to Christ. You're not alone. You're not alone. You can trust him. He gave his life for you. He is wisdom. Proverbs actually says at the beginning of the book, it says this, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Did you know that? So fear doesn't mean scared of you. Fear means reverent. I realize, God, you're big. You sent your son. I can trust in you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe today you have to be honest and say, Pastor, I keep going through the foolish door again and again. It's time for me to lock that one and get some accountability. If that's you today, would you lift your hand high and just say, God, I commit to talking to someone, to get some help, to not going another round of foolishness. Would you just lift your hand high if that's you today? If you say, Pastor, I've got to make a decision. I'm tired of being in a foolish relationship, doing foolish things. Just commit that to God. Say, God, I want to go do the right thing. Or maybe today you say, Pastor, I'm not where I want to be, which means I need to start applying wisdom to my life, to my finances, to my family, to my health. Where do you want to be? The Bible talks about being diligent. The wise person is diligent, doing the right things. If that's you, lift your hand high. If you say, Pastor, I want to start doing the right things. I don't want to be where I'm at today in 10 years. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that there are three choices. Lord, we don't want to choose the wrong door. So we choose instead to walk down Wisdom Avenue, to walk through the door of wisdom so that we can experience your blessing, your favor, and all that you have for us, God. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.